You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome to episode 49 of our show, where we discuss the latest news about Apple, iPhone, iPad, Mac, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and more. We're recording on Thursday, December 31st, 2015. I'm your host, Victor, and with me today is Daniel Aaron Dilger, and also Mikey Campbell. Hey, guys. Dan, let's talk a little bit about one of the stories that means a lot to you. I, I know you're focused on this. You were telling me about it a little bit before we started recording. Um What's going on with with shipped model numbers and people's focus on that? Well, yeah, to focus on things that, that matter. And what matters is obviously how well you're able to uh, respond to trends in the market. Because if, for example, uh, somebody was coming up with a new type of phone or alternative to the smartphone as we know it, and it was starting to gain a lot of traction, that would be important for Apple to do. And even if they were selling a lot of iPhones... Uh, we've seen this trend happen with other companies. It happened to Nokia. It happened to um, basically everyone in the smartphone industry when Apple arrived. And we've seen other companies try to do things like that. Um, Microsoft is talking about how they're going to come back into smartphones. But unless we actually see a threat, talking about, you know, just inventing problems is not really material. And I, I just see so little focus put on things that matter and so much focus put on things that actually don't matter long term. One of the biggest things that you see is uh, cyclical numbers. It was a big deal all the time that Apple sold all their stuff in the winter quarter during the holidays. And then they would drop off in the spring and everybody would say, oh, the iPhone's going away. No, it isn't. <laughs> I mean, it's a cyclical matter. Everyone knows that one's coming in the fall and they're waiting for it. Yeah, I mean, that's that was in the early days. And now that's changing because so much of Apple's revenues are coming from China and China's holiday season is the first calendar quarter. So we have a huge new shift happening. And also they're changing that pattern of how often people, uh, when people buy things um, with a couple of different strategies, but um, focusing on things that kind of don't matter that, that sort of look bad for Apple in the short term are preventing a lot of people from really being informed about what's actually happening. And so that's why everyone's been predicting doom over and over and over again, based on these, you know, things that don't matter. And they've been wrong. I wonder how much, um, this, I mean, it's mostly analysts, right. That are, uh, I mean, also some industry pundits, but uh, it, mostly analysts are kind of coming forward with these doom and gloom, um, predictions, but uh, how much of that is driven by kind of a bet on their side that Apple is one day going to uh, start, maybe not fall immediately, of course, but I mean, they're going to recede. Um, no empire lasts forever. Yeah, it's a kind of a law. or I mean, it's not a law, but I mean, it's almost an inevitability um, that they're going to, maybe one day recede into the background or come back down level with another tech company or whoever, whoever has the next big thing or something. And the analysts want to get on top of that. It's, I mean, Wall Street is all about um, predictions and the future and, you know, they, they deal in futures. So how much I'm ready it, for the day BlackBerry comes back, man. Well, I mean, Hey, they're, they're not going to pull out of Pakistan. <gasps> Shocker. 
Shocker based just, on Android now, how can it lose? Well, I mean, they, they did say it was a uh, it was an ethical debate to uh, pull out of Pakistan, but uh, apparently, uh, money uh, trumps ethics. Well, yeah, I think, I think also Pakistan gave up on wanting to read everybody's emails, or which that they? is actually becoming <laughs> that is actually becoming a, a big issue. It's you know it's happening here in the West. China just passed their law saying that. Yeah, I don't know exactly yeah. what it says, but Except they, they're confusing. basically wanting very confusing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you have the FBI yeah. saying that everybody should have TSA keys on, you know, they can, that if the police can just walk into your house at any moment, then they can catch pedophiles and, you know, people who are plotting terrorist attacks. And it's kind of crazy that our, our country is following China. Well, I mean, these things work for the first couple of years, right? <laughs> I mean, if you look at the old dictatorships, it's uh, they're relatively safe countries to live in, but they're not fun places to be, right? I mean, when you have a China, anyway. China was actually more oh. fun than I thought it would be. <laughs> I was terrified because you didn't live there. China. You, you did, <laughs> I would you imagine it wouldn't be fun to live there long term, but yeah, I have to fudge the uh, export numbers, etc. It is interesting to see Apple is still making. I, I keep waiting for China to just pull out some random law that says that puts more pressure on Western stuff from being sold there. I mean, already like car companies, you can't you can't go to China and start a car company unless half of it is owned by the a state-owned company, basically. And if you look at all the Western companies, Facebook, Twitter, Google, they've been shut out of China, basically. And China has created like their own knockoff version, and that's well. That's I expected that's that to like the laws that were in India following the British colonization backing out, right? You know, there you end up with with uh, right it's products not, that it's were British made in factories that have been continually made the same way for fifty years, sixty years on. You know, the Royal Enfield bike, where Royal Enfield stopped making bikes in the UK for you know long time ago, is still made in India because it's an Indian-owned company now. Right. And if, if China like seized Apple's assets and started making their own iPhones instead of setting up a company to try to replicate it, I mean, if, have you seen these like Maizu and, uh, Xiaomi? They, they make phones that look like iPhones. Like, mm. Really? It's like North Korea's OS. Right. So that hypothetically, looks like OS if, if Apple see, if, if China seized Apple's assets in, in China and made their own iPhones, it would only last for one generation because the software is developed outside of China. Yeah, but I mean, that's kind of what they do is they make, they knock off everything. I mean, they stole the oh. German trains. They stole, I mean, anybody that does business in China, typically China takes their stuff and goes, you know, runs with it. Um, but that's not happening with the iPhone. That's actually kind of surprising. And one of the things that well, I, I noticed mean, being in China, at least in, in rich China, was that there's not a whole bunch of local brands. You know, you go anywhere else, you go to France or wherever else, you go to, there's French clothing stores. There's, there's things that they take pride in as being French. In every country. In China, it seems like they view their own products as being kind of inferior junk. And well, they view think, Nike and Western brands, Apple, as being like the thing to have. And that's yeah, really important. Well, it's important for Apple. I mean, I mean, there's some truth to, uh, you know, what people say about um, China being this generation's Japan or post-war Japan, right? I mean, in post-war Japan, uh, they 
didn't i mean they they had to rebuild right i mean their 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 stuff wasn't known as the best as it is now no japanese goods post-war were certainly not quality yeah they were it uh, took 20 years to get to the 70s where there were only 30 years to get to the 70s where there was a uh, a sony worth having kind of thing exactly so i mean china is in that renaissance period right now except you know they didn't have to go through a world war but I mean, the the point is, is that they're the new, you know, they're the new Japan, except many multiples larger, and they like all other consumer-based societies love brand names, and I think it helps, of course, that uh, Apple Apple's manufacturing machine is based in China, right, Dan? Well. Brand, branding does help a lot though. And if you think about, if you think about like what you're talking about with electronics or cars that were American industries, basically that just went to Asia and that was particularly Japan that happened um, because Japanese companies were making things that are initially were kind of junky and we would consider them junky, but then they became better than a lot of things we were making because the government was investing in production and there was a, um, there's a lot of reasons things are being held back in the United States too, but this is very different in that China is not making its own version of the iPhone. China is happily building iPhones for Apple and you know, everybody else's stuff is being built in China, but China is not the main recipient of all that, uh, the IP, the important part. So the branding and the technology are being held by Apple. And that's really important because even the, 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 the emerging middle class in China that's becoming this huge appetite for buying things is not saying, hey, we want a product like the iPhone, but built for China or in China. They're saying we want iPhones. Right. So the, so would you say the, the, uh, the government is kind of cagey? Do you think that they realize that? And that why invest in this when we can skim off the top and, you know, make – we're not going to make an iPhone killer. So, I mean – we already have a pretty also good the, thing going right now. The culture of China, which I'm not an expert in, but the culture of China and is similar, like the culture of Russia is so different from us. It's, it's misleading to think that they think the same way that we do. And yes, they do see threats and, and particularly they have done the same thing to software. So they have their own Facebook, they have their own Google, things like that. Um, but they're not doing that in terms of hardware. And that's why Apple's winning so big in China and everyone else in the tech industry is doing very poorly. All right. And whether Mikey, that will change, I don't see there's, there's a reason for that to change. Yeah, me either. Mikey, tell me about some of the new categories that Apple entered this year. Okay, well, new categories. So wearables, wearables, obvious new category. Uh, Apple TV, I think we can call this uh, like a like a half, half new category. <laughs> I mean, they already had a foot in the door, but I think they're really Apple TV finally is bringing this um, Apple's bringing their, their full might to bear in this category, which is a uh, content streaming to the living room. And they're not um, talking about Apple, the platform. Yeah. Right. Right. Instead of just being a product, and, it's like, here's something that we're selling. It's a hobby. It's like, now it's a platform. They're calling it TV yeah, OS right. and they have a lot of right. development behind it. Yeah. So App Store, um, 
everything dovetails with uh, iOS, and you know it, it's a it's a proper it's a proper platform now. And uh, finally, Apple Music, uh, a streaming service. So we have uh, basically. I mean, Apple TV is kind of like a. So we have Apple Watch, which is a hardware category, right? Then Apple TV is is both hardware and software, so it's a platform. And then we have a pure, um, pure content-driven category, which is streaming music. So, I mean, it's those three big things. And they all came in the span of a year, right? I mean, two of them in, in the second half, which is is pretty huge, right, for any how, how do you think? How do you think they executed on these? I mean, they did pretty well. They did pretty well. I mean, none of them to me are perfect by any means they they the, the apple watch feels very much like a first gen product it reminds me a lot of uh the original iphone um it has a lot of promise right it has a lot of has a lot of tech built in has a lot of promise but um it's not quite there yet it's it's a slick device but i think there needs to be it's not solving it's not offering it's it's solving problems that we don't have right it's looking for something to solve and i think that apple's kind of grappling with that right now um it, i i mean I, I like my apple watch but i'm not sure that i can wholly recommend it to just anybody as i would an iphone right i mean everyone uses a smartphone not everyone needs or even would want a wearable device so it's a niche category and, right. but, I th- but I think they did execute fairly well on it um, the hardware is top notch etc uh, software needs some work um, the, I think the, the best thing that they did release this year was as far as new categories is concerned is Apple TV I mean they obviously did a, put a huge amount of work into it um, as Dan said TVOS uh, makes it a platform that has a it has its own app store, and, and everything looks great on a on a big screen. And I'm I'm happy with it. I know Victor, you're not t- completely uh, sold. I'm modifying that position a little bit. Oh, I thought you returned your unit. I returned my unit, and then I bought another, and then I got uh, another one. So I now have two Apple TV fourth generations, both 64 gig, and furthermore. This is interesting, and I, I don't know if it says anything indicative. I don't know. I, I think it's too much of an anecdote to really do it. But I bought the second one. Mm-hmm. I bought the 64 gig model off of Craigslist for a hundred dollars. Uh-huh. So I, I got a two hundred dollar device within a week of launch for a hundred dollars. Uh-huh. Which normally with an Apple product you don't find that kind of depreciation. Yeah, I don't know if um, I think you might have just scored big time on that. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Then again, you are a Craigslist troll, so you're like always on there. I've been tempering that behavior. I'm doing pretty well at not doing that. Except you um, have two Apple TVs. Well, I've, I've piped that behavior into eBay, so it's it's not like it's solved. Okay, <laughs> it's more legit now. Yeah. The, the the thing that I'm still slightly frustrated by is the 
difficulty that I have configuring an Apple TV for use in a hotel while traveling. That's hmm. not what it's designed to do. Exactly. I mean, that, that's, that's, I'm trying to do something that it's not intentionally designed and, for. You know, if you look at a lot of critiques of Apple products, it's people trying to do something with it that's not anything like what it's even positioned to do. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm not holding it, that it against the product. It needs to do everything and it needs to do it perfectly. And well, what, I, I what would you need that for as compared to, for example, having an iPad? Why you're wanting you something to, to do airplay? Yeah, I mean, you're wanting to airplay to the TV that the hotel provides, or what is the I'm, purpose? I'm wanting to use my Netflix and my Hulu um, on the TV yeah. that the, the hotel provides. And, you know, I, I may airplay to it, but that's not what I was going to do. Okay. Mm. The other, the alternative, I mean, the, the flip side of your problem that you describe is what happens when you have multiple um, Apple ID accounts or, like you say, multiple accounts with different providers like that, there's, there's no handling of that either. So if, if you're using it in a more typical, you know, in your living room right now, there's no way to look at my pictures and then have you pull up your pictures on the device, that kind of thing. So that's kind of the flip because, side problem. Because it's a little more iOS based than past ones have been. There's, there's a little more to it. it, it understood that I have different Apple IDs. It wanted my Apple ID for store purchases. It wanted my Apple ID for iCloud, and it knows that I have those separate now. Yeah, but so, it doesn't allow you to, for example, listen to your music and then switch over to somebody else's music very easily. And it's still kind of yeah, yeah, true. It's, it's still a little that's something uh, that could be worked in on. that respect. Well, I mean, but I think it, that's it, also it, kind of outside the use case. Yeah, it's and that's also the case with all of Apple's products are like that. I mean, you can't hand somebody your iPad and have them just log in and get all their stuff on it. Partly uh, no. because that's sort of impractical. The, 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 there's sort of this fantasy of multi-user iOS that people are thinking about. But the reality well, is because it, the device has you know 16 to 64 gigs of memory, if you log in as yourself and pull in all of your tons of stuff, it, it, you know, it kind of breaks down the whole idea case of a computer that's sort of personal. I, I would suggest that there's a difference between the iPhone or the iPad, which are, are one-to-one personal devices versus the Apple TV that is, is shared. You don't have a TV for every person in your home where you could have an yes. iPad for every person in your home. Right. It's a, yes. it's a thing of a slightly different character. And so that's something they're going to have to address more and more. And one of the things is with Game Center, everyone in your, like you're saying, everyone in your family that plays games, they have to play on the same account or how does that work? And how do you do multiplayer? How do you have three friends playing games? They can't each one log in, I believe. So th- those are all things that Apple's going to have to work out at some point, but yeah. And also just the character of games and programming. There's some real hit and miss stuff on, on the App Store right now. And, you know, it's been the first couple of months. But it'll be interesting to see if there's more what they call AAA kind of games that come to Apple TV. I don't. And, in fact, the more successful ones are simple things. Because the, yeah. the kind yeah. of games that are, look like they're iPad ports, a lot of them are these kind of games that you play. And they're just constantly trying to get you to pay another $2 for stars to play in the game and whatever else and it's just it's just so advertising over the top that in a lot of cases it's not fun i would like to see more games you actually pay for that are more like a typical console game unless and it's I, sort I of like one of the limitations Android tech games. is the requirement that says that they have to be able to use the apple tv remote as a controller first maybe i i think there's games that could benefit from saying this game requires a controller but I think saying that 
every game that comes out has to have its own controller. I think that's not really a workable solution. I think what Apple, the policy that Apple came up with makes a lot of sense because a lot of people, if you get a, if you get one, right, and right. You're but there to are, download you know, some stuff and nothing works. Then, then, is an edge case, right? That's, that's yeah. one that says that you should be able to use the controller. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's, well, a, it's a hard place for them to be, and of course it's early days. Yeah, well, I mean, there, it's not positioned to be a console killer, so I oh, mean, exactly, it's a yeah. it's a casual game. Yeah, so I mean, it, it I mean, yeah. But even but for also, casual games, there's a lot of mm-hmm. there's a lot of um, the Siri remote is really good for using it as a t- TV. It's not terribly good for playing games. It's good for playing yeah. very simple games. You know, you can like flick back and forth and click a button. But when it comes to something where you really want to have any sort of control, it's surprising that um, it, it's it breaks down pretty quickly. Speaking of the Siri remote, uh, I think it might be the worst designed product that Apple released this year, as far as uh, it did have some competition. <laughs> I have I have I have solved for the worst problem with the Siri remote though. A rubber band tape. What which which problem was your worst problem? And I'll tell you how I solved for mine. Well, there's a number of issues with it. Uh, probably the most irritating for me is that it's symmetric, and oh, I, I always pick it up and start. Uh, hey, how come the uh, touchpad's not? Oh, it's because I'm holding it upside down and looking like a uh, like a fool. So. Uh, yeah, so my biggest problem was, is the irritating thing where I pick up the remote and it's upside down because it looks exactly the same when it's upright as it is when you have it reversed. Yes, and I've, I have solved for that and you can too. Oh, you put a piece of tape on it or something? Hell no. What? Heck, heck no. No, I, uh, I got a Griffin Survivor silicone case for my Siri remote. I'm not putting a case on my remote control. Victor. Yes, you are. No, yes, I'm not you Victor. are, Mikey. Yes, no. you are, Mikey. The the beauty of the Griffin thing is that it contours the remote so it feels comfortable in the hand, and it's got a silicone cover for the bottom section, and it's open for the top touchpad section, so it's always right side up in your hand. How about the design one that wrong. I don't need to buy an accessory to know how to use it? Intuitively. You're offended by buying an accessory for an accessory? Yeah. Especially an accessory <laughs> that uh, standalone price is, uh, what, 60 bucks? Or uh, 40 less than the one that I paid for my whole set. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, uh, the buttons are also, I mean, there's also, um, uh, the buttons aren't mapped well, I mean, there's... Uh, I, I agree with you that. Um, I don't know. I feel like that. And maybe like Apple Pencil. And, well, of course, the, the ill-fated mouse uh, with the, uh, the charging the port on the bottom. The on its side in order yeah, to charge. I get it. I get it that it want, they want it to be sleek and Johnny Ive loves, you know, uh, unbroken lines and stuff. But I really don't mind having a small lightning port on the base of, or even the, the top where I don't, where I don't see it. You can put it on the top and I'm not going to see it because I don't stare at the front of my mouse all day. Why okay. don't you just put it on the top, please? Okay. So let's, let's go over the year in review then. We're talking about the different products already. So carrying over from last year, we had the iPhone, yeah. right? We had yeah. a 6S and 6S plus. End of year, yeah. 
good product? Yeah, I think the best product. I feel like this. Well, yeah, the mo- the best product, obviously, well, not obviously, but I feel is the success. But I mean, it has uh, it has so much. I mean, there's so much behind that product line that it's hard for other other hardware to compete. Um, the iPad Pro is very is very nice. I enjoy using it a lot, but it is a niche product. It's a bit expensive. Um, it's really cheap compared to a Mac, though. For for a lot of people, if you're thinking about buying your parents a, a Mac, I think a you know grandparents kind of thing. I think it's a much better computer for a lot of people. There's yeah. there's going to be people who like yeah. using Macs and are, are used to like the full desktop thing and all the complexity of a computer, and they're not going to like going to an iPad. But iPads open up computing to a whole different group of people who don't want to be bothered by a bunch of stuff. They just want to do certain things. But do they need an iPad Pro, or can they just get by with the 9.7? Because I think... Well, it depends on what you're using I mean, it for. One thing right. I'm seeing well, a lot, one about, thing that's interesting in Target, you know, they're, they're using iPads all over the place now. They have them in the gift, gift registry. They have them in customer service. They do things like web ordering. And they're kind of bypassing their whole point-of-sale system because it's not integrated into that. They're doing this whole side project. And Apple and IBM are working on all kinds of apps for retail. Yeah, yeah. And you see a lot of cases where, um, you know, I was at the dentist recently, and they have this whole specialized Windows computer that's sitting there with this windowing interface that they have to use a mouse to control. If they replace that with a, you know, a, a touchscreen computer. Then they'd have their gross touchscreen fingers inside your mouth work, while doing dentistry. That works perfectly. But, I mean, there's a number of ways you could work with that. But what I'm so saying is the there's iPhone. a lot of places where iPad as a computer is is better than the computers of the 90s, the laptop and the PC that we designed and have been using for the last 20 years for new right. audiences. So we had the Apple Watch. Yep. And we talked a lot about the Apple Watch on this podcast leading up to it. Mm-hmm. I still don't own one. Do you recommend that I should? Uh, I, I think it's the kind of thing people, people get one. Uh, as a convenience and as, as a personal luxury. People have a phone because it's useful. People don't have a watch because they need a watch because we've not really needed watches. But it's a fashion thing. It makes me feel good to have my watch on. It makes me feel good to track what I'm doing. And those are things you can't do with a, the phone. So it's a very separate use case. And if that appeals to you, then that's something you're going to get. And, you know, tons of people are getting them. I'm kind of well, surprised I mean, at how big it's becoming. In okay. some cases, the iPhone is also a... Uh, I mean, it was a uh, luxury uh, prestige item, right? For a while. Until it became an assessment. Well, yeah. But I mean, so the, the price didn't go down, which is interesting. But, but if you look um, at yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. But I, Apple, it is doing, uh, it's doing about as well as I thought it would be. Uh, I don't see why people thought it was going to go gangbusters. Um, well, it is kind of going gangbusters. It's a $7 billion business this year. The entire I mean, Swiss industry is like like thirty billion dollars, less than thirty. Apple invented a new product, and within a year, they're like a third or, or so the size of the Swiss watch industry. And they're not selling feel, like little cheap, crappy watches. They're selling the like high end stuff that's expensive too. I feel yeah. like I don't know, Victor. Are, are you with me on this? We're both watch guys, right? I don't. I don't feel like Apple Watch is uh, vying for space on my wrist compared you know in competition with like say a rolex or 
or an Omega or, you know, something cheaper than that. I, I feel They're like it's two very different. Yeah, it's things. it's a different beast. And I think just by calling it Apple Watch, I mean people it's, it's watch is in the name, right? I mean you're gonna have to you're going to have to grapple with that comparison to traditional watches. It is most certainly not a traditional watch. To me, the watch part of Apple Watch, the timekeeping aspect of it, is maybe one of the least uh it's a feature useful things that i that that device does for me personally um it's yeah comparing the, watch, the reason why comparing the it. apple watch to a, you know a fancy watch is like comparing a pc to a typewriter yeah it's it's not the same thing and you can talk about typewriters like underwoods that are classic pieces of machinery that people collect Apple watch is not anything baby. like that but what I it's think, happening, it's, a, it's, it's a computer on your wrist and it's a wearable that nobody else has yeah. done well. And every yeah. other I, I attempt to do so wearable, think... like glass, huge failure. I mean, you look at it and it's like, this is not going to sell. Yeah. But I, I don't think that Apple is, uh, I don't think Apple Watch is competing with the uh, Swiss watch industry. I, I think that they it definitely made... is competing. I mean, they're, they know it. They're recognizing that it is. They're feeling they, the pain of it competing. Yeah. Their money is like going away. It's competing Tyler for attention. Introducing it's not the same thing. The, uh, Android-based smartwatch. It's it, it's their it, to their folly to even step into this debate by recognizing it as a watch. Watch. I mean, for years, its tr- traditional watches have not been in vogue, right? I mean, for decades almost, um, since the days of Casio and Seiko and. Um, you know, citizen and all those companies, they, I mean, once the quartz movement came out, it it was the death knell for the traditional watch industry as we knew it. The quartz crisis is a very different kind of crisis than the one that the smartwatch brings. I don't even think Uh, the smart, what I'm saying is the smartwatch is not, it shouldn't be viewed as something like the quartz the the course era it's a totally different beast it's like saying it's not really a comparison uh that would be um you know like a a typewriter to a computer because those mm, arguably serve in the beginning they serve the same purpose right word processing but apple watch is not trying to do do so much more computer computer can run arbitrary software right and the watch the watch like you're saying is it's not it's called a watch because that's what we identify with putting on our wrist, but how it works and what it does for us is completely different. The fact that it tracks, you know, tracks where you're at and what your activity level is and things like that make it much different than a watch, of course. So it's kind of like a fitness tracker, but it does a lot of things in a more general way. So it works like a watch is being sort of a fashionable thing that makes you feel good to wear. It does actually do, do, do you tell really the feel time. Good? I know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it but makes it's me feel different. A, it's like wearing fancy shoes. You know, you walk different. Hmm. I I don't know. I kind of you know feel... if, if you're wearing a nicer one, if you're yeah. wearing like the cheap plastic band, then it's like you're wearing like a watch. But if you wear a nice band, it has Dan, a feel. That's a Hermes, don't you? Hermes. I do not. <laughs> uh, let's I'm, let's talk. We talked about that fancy. Watch. Let's talk about the new MacBook. What about it? It's awesome. Well, I, I like the idea of it a lot. I like USB-C a lot. Do you I like, like the performance? The I haven't used one enough to really commit to whether or not I like the performance, but I love the, the lightness and thinness. Right. I mean, this is obviously Apple's directions where they're going to take their laptop line, 
Um, I mean, thinner is always better, but I, I'm worried about the, I'm, I'm again worried about the, the withering port design, right? I mean, one port, I mean, the same thing with the air when the air came out, right? We scaled down the ports. Air has two ports. Yeah. But with USB-C, you really only need the one as long as you plug something else into it. I don't want to plug anything else into it. Why? Why are, why are you making me buy dongles? Why? Yeah, why in a world where you should be cableless, are you making buying cables and adapters and exactly. stuff? I get it. Yeah. But, man, uh, it's a great-looking machine. I, uh, I saw one in an airport lounge, and I asked the one who was using it, and she said that that was the only computer she was ever going to buy again that she didn't have a problem with performance. She liked the way that she could charge it from a portable battery instead of having to worry about a special power brick. She oh, could yeah, use the same portable that. battery for her iPhone as she could for this. It is, it made it a is ton an of important sense to her. thing to have light, easy to carry a computer. If you've ever hauled I a bet. heavy computer around on vacation, it's, it's a big hassle. Uh, doing that now, MacBook 15-inch going around the world with me. Yes, I carried a 17 one <laughs> across the oh, yard one time. That was goodness. stupid. <laughs> oh, goodness but, me. Yeah, you do notice it in your pack. Yeah. yeah. iPad Pro, we talked a little bit about. Um, what is the very best thing about the iPad Pro? Pencil, I'd say. Neil would disagree with you. Neil would say it's the smart connector for the keyboard. Would he, though? He's kind of a hot. He loves those keyboards. He never wants to use like, the Bluetooth keyboard the again. I don't. I don't think he's. He's kind of so-so on the smart connector idea, though. Uh, he's hot on the connector idea. He wants it to do other things, but it can't. I'm I'm aware of that, but he that's wants why he's it to hot do... and cold on it. I mean, he <laughs> wants it to do other things, but he hates the way that's implemented now, which is it's, a it'd be valid, interesting to see the specification. I'd like to know more about yeah. how that exactly works. Mm-hmm. I haven't looked at it. Well, think about the number of contacts you have, right? You have uh, power and data, and so you're basically looking at USB 2 at, at best. It's not USB 3 going through that. To the three connectors. Well, yeah. is it even USB? Probably not. I don't, I don't know. Serial, but it's, it's more than likely it's USB. How many connectors? It has four? There, there are three there, and you need a total of four to get USB. If you double up on your grounds for data line and power... You can probably sneak it through. Yeah. Still, you're not going to be uh, you're not going to be connecting a uh, no, no hard drives connected to smart hard drives anytime soon. No, no. It also says something interesting about the future of iPhones and other iOS stuff in that um, the new the new chip is, is not only so terribly fast; it also has USB three in the in the SOC. The controllers on the SOC. Yep. Yeah, I mean it's part of it. Um, so that's likely coming to the iPhone and that will make syncing much faster and enable new well, lightning cable was already made. The, the connector for lightning with its, its nine pins there is yeah, totally but you need support in the chip. But you need, exactly. you, need, you need a chip to support it. So, right. But the connector was designed with that transition in mind. I was the crazy one. I, you know what I always wanted and I never got, I wanted to have a lightning connector to Thunderbolt. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, they they also they the uh, Lightning to SD card reader for iPad Pro already takes advantage of uh, right. They made the USB three speeds. Yeah. So because it has those um it has those extra pins on the top. If you look inside of the 
Pro's uh, lightning port. It has some extra leads on the uh, the top, so it can take advantage of that. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. And wrapping it up, the most recent introduction, the Apple TV. And that's our year in review. Oh, also the uh, mix-up. I mean, the mix-up, the, uh, the board changes, but who cares about that, really? Yeah. So... Uh, pick your favorite product. Which one is your favorite, Mikey? iPhone. And Dan, which one? Which one's your personal favorite product? There. Favorite new thing? Um, I'm really yeah. liking Apple TV. It's the first one I've ever like really. Every time I walk past it, I'm doing things with it, and I'm using the t- TV that I've never used before. And I mean, I've I've had a, this TV for five years, and the number of times I turn on the TV is very limited. And now it's like I find uses for it. And it's, I was doing this, I did this report on, you know, some of the emerging technologies, the technologies that went into it to, to bring it to market. And um, thinking about what it can do in the future is really interesting. The fact that it's only been a couple months now. So be cool to see where it goes. Awesome. Well, this is the Apple Insider Podcast. And if we see where it goes, we'll be sure to let you know all about it next time. Dan, where can people find you on the internet? I'm on Apple Insider, of course, and I'm also on Twitter at Daniel Aaron, E-R-A-N. And Mikey, where can people find you on the internet? I am on Apple Insider and Twitter at MikeyCampbell81. Brilliant. This is your host, Victor Marks, signing off from the Apple Insider podcast. Happy New Year to every single one of our listeners, and we'll talk to you in 2016.